Support for this podcast and the following message come from Internet Essentials from Comcast. Connecting more than 6 million low-income people to low-cost, high-speed Internet at home. So students are ready for homework, class, graduation, and more. Now they're ready for anything. From NPR Music, you're connected to all songs considered. I'm Bob Boylan. One of my favorite music events takes place in New York City at the top of the year. Global Fest is a celebration of music from around the world, and this is the festival's 15th year. The gathering happens in just one evening. Twelve bands performing on three stages this year in Midtown Manhattan at B.B. King's Blues Club, its smaller sister venue in the same building called Lucille's, and then directly across the street at the Liberty Theater. I was there this past Sunday along with around 1,500 people, including NPR Music's Anastasia Tsoukis, Afropop Worldwide's Banning Air, and WFMU's Rob Weisberg, home of his show Trans-Pacific Sound Paradise. Before we paint a bigger picture of the night, do we all agree on the band that knocked us all out? <laughs> we oh, do. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes, <laughs> indeed. And who can say the name? Jupiter, Jupiter and the <laughs> <laughs> They're Congolese. I'm going to start off. We're going to play music. Here we go. Wow. The, the name of that song is Mo Sansu. How would you say? Sounds, Sounds good to me. <laughs> I can't tell you what it means. Banning Air, we do know what the, the name of the band means, yeah? Yeah, Jupiter is the name of the band leader, and he's an older guy in his 60s. The other guys are all y- much younger in their 30s. And Oquas is a word that means nourishment or food. And they're they're interesting. The Kinshasa scene is incredibly competitive. You can hear the high level of musicianship of these Congolese musicians. But these guys are rebels. They don't play the standard suku sound. They don't sing about love. They sing about the problems of the poor, street-level stuff. And it's much more, they're using different rhythms and bringing in a lot of kind of rock effects and stuff, but it's still very much Congolese music. I feel like they're interesting because they're uh, mixing up some of the tradition with very contemporary beats also, so it's not just a pure uh, old-school Congolese guitar band like we might have known and loved in the 80s. You hear some of that in there, like on that first track on the guitar, but then you also hear some songs with really driving rhythms, uh, traditional regional 
music influenced Absolutely. vocals, giving a very contemporary sound yeah. too. That production edge really makes it sound very fresh and yeah. and vital in in a lot of ways, and not a museum piece. And what about them on stage? The costumes, the facial expressions, the movements, the and dancing. the size just, of the lead singer. Oh yeah, Is he gigantic? nine feet tall. <laughs> I was literally right in front of him, and and uh, he, he felt oh uh, man. must have been at least six six. Yeah, yeah, big guy with a big deep voice too. Incredible. And you know, he actually told me that he grew up in Germany. He didn't come out of the Sukhus Congolese no. music scene. He never played that music. We talked just at the beginning. I spoke and mentioned there are 12 bands. There. It's an evening of music from all over the world. Uh, and it felt uh, a little different this year. The, the tone of where we are in this country and politics and so forth seemed to weigh on the evening's music, and especially uh, a band like this from the Congo. Well, for sure. I mean, one of the things, one of the real driving forces, maybe even the driving force of the founding of this festival 15 years ago was to put foreign musicians in front in a palpable, very visceral way in front of American bookers, the people who book clubs and venues across the country. Uh, Global Fest takes place in the midst of this big sort of half month of of showcases around a couple of conferences here, here in New York. But the founders of Global Fest really had the idea of let's put international musicians in front of bookers so that they can get gigs in the United States. And this was right after 9-11 when it was really hard for a lot of artists to get visas and to get engagements to play here. And so now we're on the 15th anniversary and we're going and seeing these musicians still getting that goal of getting gigs in the States. In the immediate days of President Trump allegedly calling various countries shithole countries, and to have a gathering musicians who included musicians from across the African diaspora, right? We had everyone from musicians from Congo, as we just heard DRC, uh, to American black musicians, to Caribbean black musicians, to Cuban black musicians, and then to have artists from countries who aren't on good terms with the U.S., Iran. Hmm artists of Mexican descent and from Mexico. It struck certain chords that I think no one could have seen coming, (laughs) you know, even a week ago. Uh, And now here we are. And it's hard not to separate those two things in my mind. Yeah, that's good. And it's even harder now than it was after 9-11 for those bands to tour. The costs of visas have gone up and the sort of irrational, unexplained declining of visas is, is almost commonplace now. It's a tough environment, so you have to be brave to book bands like this. Is that one of the reasons why there is a wealth of bands and music from, has its roots in all over the world, but half of the bands that did play are U.S.-based. Or right? French-based. Or French. There was a bunch I of see, Paris, because yeah. that's easier. Yeah. But I think, yes. It's not necessarily true. easier, but, I mean, certainly for American musicians, it's easier if, if they're based here or citizens here. But it also, you know, on a non-political, non-logistical level, it speaks to the incredible talent that's here of people who are either first or second generation, yes. immigrants drawing on their roots. You know, there, there are lots of reasons. It's not just because of the times we live in. In an interesting way, that leads us directly to the guy who opened up the show, Mosun Namju, who is uh, an Iranian singer but has lived here in the U.S. for many years. One thing, though, to say, uh, it's kind of funny, like, there's uh, there's kind of a classic trope, the Bob Dylan of X in world music descriptions, (laughs) and he's been called the Bob Dylan of Iran, and there's truth to that. He is... um, uh, uh, he loves poetry, and he, is, he interprets both traditional poetry and his own poetry in his music. But um, he lives here, and his music is 
not wholly acceptable in Iran. He had uh, a, he was sentenced in exile about a decade ago for a song he wrote that was deemed as too critical uh, for a reference to the Quran. But uh, he's a very interesting uh, performer, and he called his album. In a wink and a nod, he has a sense of humor. He's a bard, he's a storyteller, but he called his uh, live album that he just put out last year Axis of Solitude. Like Axis of Love, <laughs> Jimi Hendrix? Or Axis or of Evil. Axis of Evil, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the and, rock in uh, me, I couldn't help it. Plus, it was an awful lot of blasting, amazing rock guitar, which is what made me Yeah, he's, yeah he's, he's really... Yeah. Idiosyncratic Axis vocalist, yeah. he shares that with Dylan he, as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's, very, he's really into rock and blues. He, made, he said a funny... He does, a, But he also does a lot of ver- verbal vocables like where he's singing like he made a joke saying you know don't worry he's singing uh, sounds and not really words and he's saying you know what the Iran I know there's a lot of Iranian folks here they can't understand the lyrics either (laughs) so don't worry (laughs) Uh, what should we play but it's a fun hybrid mix and there's a song uh, that really kind of plays that up uh, and also an element of melodrama that is in his uh, singing then also you hear him playing a bit of the traditional setar which he uh, features on a lot of songs and uh, so I have a song, actually the second song he did in the set was called uh, Della Didi. You'll really hear him uh, going uh, pretty wild on his, uh, on his vocals. Yeah, he's a fun artist, and they were having a good time on stage, sometimes, you know, tackling uh, serious and not-so-serious things. Can I uh, just try oh, to find the, the explosive guitar for just one second oh, yeah, yeah. to give people an idea of contrast here? Oh, yeah. Artist really, uh, he's his own. He's like his own personal genre. There's rock, and you know, he loves to rock out. He also can be incorporating a lot of elements of tradition in his music too. And, and in a lot of music in these days, in American music, the guitar is taking a backseat to many things, electronics yeah. and so forth. That wasn't true uh, Sunday night. Yeah, guitar sales are down. All there's a lot of rhetoric about how guitar is disappearing, which as a guitarist, I'm not happy about. But boy, they sure were on display uh, the other night uh, at Global Fest. There was a lot of guitar bands. One particularly interesting one I thought was Del Gress, which is a trio from France, although the leader, Pascal, is from Guadeloupe ancestrally. And he's making this very interesting connection. You know, he's, he's steeped in all kinds of music that he listened to in his home growing up in France. But the thing that really set him off was when he heard Louisiana, Cajun rock, 
Creole music, and he made this whole historical connection between the French Caribbean and French New Orleans and the language, the Creole language. He sings in Guadeloupe in Creole. The name of the band, Del Grass, is named after a figure from the 19th century who fought slavery under Napoleon and died, gave his life to fight slavery. And so, again, there's a political angle, there's the immigrant angle, and there's the guitar angle. He's a hell of a guitar player. And all the bass line was done with a, what, a sousaphone? Yeah, oh, that was great. <laughs> Which yeah, was really extraordinary. I know, really nice. <laughs> let's beautiful. hear a little bit. What do you want to play? Uh, let's hear that song, Mojodi. like that swamp guitar sound it big, is big yeah, raw I was sound really it's confused nice. by it at first but no, no, <laughs> it's that's what's cool it reminded me i'll tell you something my partner katie who has indie rock roots from the 80s band that came to mind for her bands like the gun club yeah who who took blues and punk and kind of put them together but here this is coming through new orleans uh a New Orleans angle with the sousaphone. Yeah. I would have guessed they were from New Orleans, not from Paris. No, exactly. You would. But they're, but both the other two guys are French. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So go figure. No boundaries. Well, let's stay in the, in that area of the world. Uh, so another of the artists who was there was a woman who goes by La Dame Blanche, the woman in white. And uh, it's a stage name for a woman named Yaite Ramos Rodriguez. And she has pretty serious musical roots. Her dad is the current musical director of Buena Vista Social Club. Mm-hmm. And so if you're expecting kind of laid back, very nostalgic, sweet Cuban music, she is not the lady for you. She came out holding a big Cuban cigar. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> she switched between the flute and the cigar. She's very good player. She's right. And she's actually, she's uh, classically, classically trained. trained. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She um, stayed at the conservatory in Havana. But yeah, she's sort of, she's got the cigar between her fingers you know, as she's playing the flute, which is pretty <laughs> impressive. Um, but she's got incredible swagger yeah. and there's, she is so playing with like ideas of masculinity and femininity you know mm-hmm. she there's a lot of stuff in how she presents her, herself that references 
Afro-Caribbean spirituality, Afro-Cuban spirituality, the Orishas, mm -hmm. but she takes on a lot of the things that, the elements that would normally men have, um, and she, she takes them on for her own. And mm. the music, well, we should just listen to it. We're going to hear a song called uh, Yo Quiero Trabajar, I Want to Work. One of the things that happened with Global Fest this year is that it moved up from downtown into these clubs on 42nd Street, which is sort of the epicenter of the hyper-commercial tourist experience. Apparently, some of the artists, including La Dame Blanche, loved it. A friend of mine stopped to say that he had walked out on 42nd Street with her, and she burst into singing New York, New York. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, where we were before could not be anywhere but it didn't scream there, there were just you know all of the lights and everything of 42nd street yes just scream new york you, even at and, 15 and degrees perfect i, yeah. I wish i'd heard that yeah see <laughs> wow actually you know it's funny there was uh, i was just thinking that though there was a lot of strong individual stage presence i don't know if they got a little extra buzz from times square but uh and also you know because there was there was a slight difference this year in that there wasn't any one giant big ballroom stage so every, everything was relatively intimate uh, so there was a lot of energy, a lot of connection between very charismatic front people and the audience, which is which was nice this year. And for those who don't don't know, we've done the show many times, and Webster Hall is where Global Fest had been before, and that's the the big grand ballroom stage that it wasn't at this year. Yeah, so we had a little change this year. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Brazil. I yeah. thought, uh, yeah, one artist, uh, one artist and band that was really fun for me was uh, Ava Rocha and her band. Yeah, you talk um, about stage presence. Right? She's great yeah. stage presence. She's very uh, theatrical. In fact, her dad is a famous film director in Brazil. Uh -huh. but, uh, but she, <laughs> that explains a lot. So maybe a bit of her theatricality, a lot of, lot of movement. She had... Um, I thought a lot of Bowie, David Bowie. Uh, yeah. Like her hand gestures. I captured one photograph that was almost precisely Heroes, the album cover here. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, you can think of other people, like Kate Bush yeah, or what have you. Right. But, but she, uh, in her bodice, um, she had a bunch of knives and, uh, like, 
like dinner knives and that were splattered yeah, with paint, that? right? Well, I don't know because I only caught the first bit of her set and I thought to myself there's going to be some elaborate stage thing with the knives and I'm going to miss it. So I, I didn't see that. She wore, that she wore kind of as a mask and head gear yes. and then used for gest- used them for gesturing. It was kind of a whole uh, little bit of theatrical bit. Great voice though. Really. Great voice yeah. and uh, interesting Super very much. dark, smoky. She's, yes, she's kind exactly. of of the moment of a certain indie thing that's going on in Rio uh, which is revisiting a lot of different uh, Brazilian musical eras influences and kind of making your own thing through a little bit of a rock and roll slash. Yes. In particular, uh, something Tropicalia, which was this both movement and sound in Brazil in the late 60s yep. that was semi-forgotten for a couple of decades and then kind of rediscovered outside of Brazil has now totally reflected back to it Brazil. It keeps echoing back yeah. in various ways, but she definitely had she's, some of that but in she's her, one yeah. Of, yeah, she's one of the bands who definitely pulls on that. She's both kind of post Tropicalia, but then she also did sort of punky, thrashy, very fast kind of post punk songs. She's got post Tropicalia, post punk, and kind David of her own Bowie, thing. David Bowie, I'm sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Coming back to there, no, there yeah. were guitar lines Plus, that were almost precisely from like The Lodger or that period of David Bowie. Yeah. So, so uh, let's pick a song. Yeah, I thought uh, my pronunciation of Portuguese is not so great. Boca de Seu was a nice example. We could hear a bit of the Tropicalia and the rock and roll and uh, other hints of uh, Brazilian, Brazil's great musical uh, legacy. That song so shows a certain side. It wasn't. It wasn't her the most uh, of the punkier songs. It was a little more of the tropical, a little bit of samba, mm-hmm. a psychedelic kind of tinge to it. She have on stage that she had a guitar. She had two guitars, two although guitars. one didn't really sound like a guitar because it was mostly coming through all kinds of MIDI stuff. 
which you heard a lot of uh, uh, electronic flavored stuff that night. I, I was thinking particularly of, of uh, Irish music, which yeah, I was not used to hearing electronics in traditional Irish music. So there have been a lot of bands from the UK and Ireland and Scotland that have now started integrating electronics. Um, so it's, that seems to be having a moment for sure. Yeah, this was a band. Uh, we were talking now uh, about Yarlith Henderson. So in that band, there was uh, on the right, there was a Moog player, right? And uh, on the left was, I think he had a Nord uh, synthesizer. Mm-hmm. Behind Yarlith was a fellow with an Ableton rig, which is an electronic rig usually often used in, in EDM and, and dance music. Uh, he had these two yeah. light cubes yeah. that could do many things. Looked like he programmed that when he touched them, it would, open, would, it would change sounds, basically. It would open and close filters. Another one would show the tempo of the song and uh, drum pads. And then there was, uh, were the alien pipes? Yeah, they were, right? He played some pipes, yeah, he did, on a couple songs at uh, least. And then acoustic guitar. <laughs> yeah, they mixed and they had violin. I mean, they would kind of uh, yeah, there was drift violin. into a little more, you know, kind of lean different ways. But, and but ballads of death. Doing traditional style yeah. ballads, yeah. Uh, very uh, creating this sort of very ethereal background for a very, you know, at the same time, he's captured a very traditional kind of old school vocal Style, so it creates quite a, an interesting new sonic palette for those uh, for that song and singing style. I want to play the song called "Fare Thee Well, Lovely Nancy." It's from an album called "Hearts Broken, Heads Turned." Not out yet, out yet. I don't even know. Out as of last year. Okay. Yeah, I think his music is is pretty hard to find in the states at this ah. point. I, at one point, he said from the stage, "I'm not on streaming services. My music isn't available through U.S. distribution." Go get at the merch table, hint, hint. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's play the song Fairly Well, Lovely Nancy. Fairly well, lovely Nancy, tis now I must leave you to cross the main ocean where the stormy winds blow. Charlotte Henderson, a golden voice. I, I, oh, so, p- so really, pretty. Really, really beautiful. Uh, he played uh, a gorgeous flute. He played the alien pipes, and uh, he played acoustic guitar, and then he just sang these lovely, lovely ballads. I just thought it was in for traditional Irish music. I'm happy with that, but I got a lot more. Yeah, that was his U.S. debut, huh. um, which is always nice to be around yeah. to see 
when when people are making a splash because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people really s- struck by that band. We're going to take a quick break and uh, we'll be right back. Support for this NPR podcast and the following message come from ELS Studio, a premium audio experience for the open road. With ELS Studio Premium Audio, every musical note you hear plays like a unique combination of artistry, emotion, and engineering. Developed with eight-time Grammy Award-winning recording engineer Elliot Shiner, it immerses the listener in studio-like sound, the way the artist intended it to be heard. ELS Studio Premium Audio, precision-crafted audio performance exclusively from Acura. I'm here in uh, New York studios with Anastasia Tsoulkis. I'm here with Rob uh, Weisberg and uh, Banning Air. We're talking Global Fest 2018, one of the quieter moments on, uh, on a beautiful night of 12 bands was a choir from Georgia and not the United States. I wish everyone could see Bob like, <laughs> gesturing southern in a southwards direction. No, we're talking about former Soviet Georgia, sure. and there's an incredible singing tradition there. I had the incredible privilege of spending uh, a summer in Georgia back a long time ago, and it's unbelievable how integral singing is to everyday life. You sit down at Mm. dinner with people, and it goes for hours and hours and hours because everyone has to drink a lot and toast each other and toast everything. And there's a song that goes with everything. <laughs> and, and there's this. Can in- we do that? <laughs> I would like that. Yeah, it would be good. Yeah. Um, and there's this, as you'll hear from this music, there's an incredible tradition. There are many, many kinds of vocal singing in Georgia. One of them is this incredible tradition of uh, what's called polyphonic singing, so multiple voices, not just a group of people, but people singing different lines in incredibly wonderful and strange harmonies. And so unified. It's just like one thing. It's just so, so enmeshed. It's beautiful. Yeah, and it goes back literally centuries, centuries, centuries to the beginning of Christianity in Georgia, like 3rd century, 4th century, probably even farther, reaching further yeah. back than that. Mm-hmm. So these are people who have a long tradition of learning to sing together. And on stage, we're looking at, at six men uh, wearing... Uh, was the they have these long black tunics with cartridge, like like bullet cartridges yes. at their shoulders. And, and, and knives. Knives at, their, knives at their waist. Those tall black boots that you see a lot of time in in countries around Georgia. It can be pretty intimidating. And then they have these incredibly sweet melodies. Gentle as all. And they would unsheath those knives sometimes. And I was wondering why. (laughs) But uh, it was kind of interesting. Stagecraft. (laughs) Stagecraft. Yes. That's what's this tune from the Berry Choir.
listening on good headphones but mm. but the resonant deep frequencies i don't know if it's cigarette smoking or what they're doing there but the, the, but the depth it's the of wine. the wine it's the, the wine, wine and the food wow it was so beautiful it's such a beautiful tradition it's interesting there's been a little flurry of georgian vocal polyphony groups uh kind of taking this tradition which as you say anastasia is so ingrained and taking it to the world in the last few years and interesting. this group was founded by a guy who was in uh, the state song and dance ensemble, but also been in kind of crossover rock bands and <laughs> Georgian folk jazz projects. But then he sort of it, it started this band about five years ago with a real mission, you know, to want to bring out uh, a group of, I think he felt his, you know, kind of image of, of an ideal Georgian group doing both uh, uh, sort of social songs, I think, like maybe that one would have been Christian songs. And also uh, makes the point that they do a lot of uh, pre-Christian uh, or pagan era uh, songs as well. We heard we heard all of that uh, the other the other night. It's really beautiful uh, and interesting music. And you know, it's interesting too. Uh, this tradition in Soviet Union era, a lot of uh, of, of folk traditions were hurt. They were Sovietized. They were Sovietized. Uh, Georgia managed to kind of. This vocal tradition uh, stood on its own and survived the Soviet era. Yeah, and I should say Sovietized means like they would make them big and glossy, smooth out and sort of westernize a lot of the the harmonies. And and if they were 
great musicians, like even bigger groups were even better, right? <laughs> like remember Mister de Bulgaria from Bulgaria, and, yeah, the they're still Bulgarian, around. yeah, they were on the Tonight Show. Uh, and there were like 40 of them. <laughs> That's kind of what I mean by Sovietization. Wow. The, the bigger, the better. And in Georgia, you know, even when I was there, when it was sort of the last tattered era of the Soviet empire, they had kind of managed, at least from what I saw, had kind of managed to hold on to lots of things and sort of go their own way. You know, it was, it was pretty easy to get finished VHS tapes on the black market, and uh, you know they they had they were sort of doing their own thing even before uh, the Soviet Union officially crumbled, and you know and since then they've had an incredibly difficult era. There's been war, there's yeah. been political chaos, yeah, yeah. and through all of that they've managed to hold on to these traditions and, and astonishingly beautiful. Yeah, traditions. in fact, as, as you say, because of that, yeah, there's a really strong sense of Georgian identity. And I think that's part of the, of the impetus for a lot of these new groups that have been turning up lately. That was probably the oldest traditional music of the evening, and the and the most updated musical tradition is what ended our yes. evening, which which was <laughs> this incredible mix of of Indian music with tabla and sarod, and then uh, a, a Los Angeles hip hop singer, a rapper, a yes. rapper. I found it not always successful, but always intriguing. Yeah. So um, the group is Grand Tapestry, and there are two traditional Indian players, but young guys. Alam Khan is the son of the great Sarod player Ali Akbar Khan, who had a school in San Francisco during his later years. Salar Nader is a virtuoso Afghan tabla player. From a very young age, he was being picked to, to, to play with some of the great singers of Afghanistan. And when I first met him, he, he looked quite different, and he was very traditional and, and you know, devoted to the, the tabla tradition. So it was kind of a surprise to see him up there with electronics and playing with the sarod, which was being fed also through electronics, and this rapper who was kind of like quasi-Eminem sort of style of rapping, and uh, but very positive. Yeah. It was all, They were really putting forward this love. message that it was love. and <laughs> I love the interaction between... Well, it's more the reaction to the tabla player, to the singer. There were moments yeah. where they... There was one moment where I really heard them sync up that I thought was the most interesting... Moment yeah. for the for, for the vocals with the tabla, Me too. where mm-hmm. you know the tabla is doing a really fast percussion run as per the tabla. Yes, the tabla, yeah, the yeah, tabla right with it. Yeah. As, they, as they do with it in, in sync, and that that was pretty amazing. That was, that was those were the amazing moments. That interaction. It wasn't so much the vocalist reacting to the music, but the music always reacting to the vocalist. Mm. That I heard. That, oh, that's interesting. Because uh, what did you say? Is that that's a can be a music, little bit of a Hindustani kind of. Uh, well, that, I was going to say that's super traditional, yeah, right? Because yeah. that, like you, that all, an instrumentalist would know to react to vocal because vocalist itself yes. an instrument. The vocalist is king. The the instrumentalists are there to support the singer, and like go and it's it is incumbent on the instrumentalist to be listening and reacting in the moment to what the singer is doing as improvisation so there's a real natural tie between hip-hop and rap and 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 vocal improvisation there's a solid framework there (laughs) that said it was very unusual (laughs) that's true Come from the center of the chest to bless the world Heartbeat battling and making a bed to curl up Consequence to never dance is this You gotta move the spirit to get the people to near it I fear it not Never been afraid the personality is brave You can never catch me or put me in a cave I will never be the one to bury in the grave Put me in a rocket ship and put me in the space Music is the way to God I would like to think I'm odd 
Heady like a nigga vibe. I'm a thinking man, I think a lot. Many, many, many men pass away in innocence. Not really making any sense. But these are the main events. I will not run away. I can be anything. Manifest pathways. Walk along, make it rain. To incorporate things that don't mesh, Mother Earth knows this. No close list business in my family vicinity. I keep it in focus. Trinity, divinity, eliminating always thought, tasteless hatred, vacate. No resentment in the tenements of this old cavity. I carry out in the basement. Experimental, external, infernal, internal minerals, and a through ear grab. Fear mongering, wandering, parasites drown in the sound washed up on a shoreline. Your mind, my mind, one shoreline, one core line, reaching to the heavens up. Universal Valentine, one heart, one love, one tongue, one intellect, insight. God is a God body with the God hand, reaching out like the Godfather with the broadband. All time, space, all land, all mankind, all landlines Rigging at the same pitch, digging in the same ditch While we cling to our pain pictures and remain sick, tainted Paint this on the walls of the brain cells that you got left after taxation Anxiety and chemical abrasion This melody, the enemy of all cavemen Dwelling in the dark, read the spelling on the back of the art This art will attract light, like bread to a bagpipe Battery to a mag light, buckle down, hold tight Light of a lifetime, line after line, rhyme after rhyme Sign that the time is now upon us Not upon a repolip We the kings and the callers We the queens and the ball Read the screenplay and hollow in my direction with solace, meditative and hollow, filled with universe. I really thought the words uh, worked in this setting because there's so much space uh, given the instrumentation. Uh, and it was so different. It was such a different setting for this sort of rhythmic uh, sorts of singing. So uh, I, I liked it quite a bit. And oh my God, that road was so beautiful. Yeah, yeah very can, beautiful. Can it, someone describe a road to somebody who's never? It's a string instrument like the sitar, but it has a much more, the body is a drum, like a banjo. So it has a more percussive sound. But also the fretboard is a, is a shiny, smooth piece of metal. So, and it, it just has this metallic percussive magical sound. To me, it's the most beautiful Indian string instrument. I have to confess that one of my favorite parts of the of their set was a part where they just <laughs> jammed for a few minutes. It was the classical. Did the classical. They didn't do the law, a full classical piece, which would have an extended intro and different part. They kind of went right for the gusto, but... Yeah. Skip went, over the alap. The... It, it was... It, <laughs> right. It was a lot of fun. That was a pretty wonderful yeah. moment, minus and, the singer who... You know, I give him lots of credit because uh, what he's trying to do in that context is is both brave and I think oftentimes worked. I'm not Desi, I'm not South Asian, but I've spent a lot of time in that community. And there's been like this groundswell of musicians of South Asian heritage sort of using their music in really new, interesting ways. And you can look at Red Barat, you can look at Brooklyn Ragamassive, you know, who are a little different than that, but like using traditional forms and 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 putting them in new contexts that isn't like very commercial. Um, yeah, I guess that wasn't really, really happening before. There were jazz things like Shakti and 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 and. Oh uh, uh, yeah, but this and, is different. And, 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 like, and you know, there are and there are jazz musicians uh, of South Asian heritage who have played on it, like Vijayar or yeah. Rudraj Mahanthaba or, or sure. you know, people like that. But to put it in this hip hop, yeah, you know, in a way that isn't. Really, like I've heard some hip hop out of India that's pretty corny. Yeah, this is, this <laughs> um, is different, yeah. And this is different, yeah. yeah. And it's hard to know what, if any of the music that we heard uh, in this evening of, of 12 bands will resonate beyond uh, a smaller community, smaller shows around the country. 
We did Sing Sing last year, right? This Korean band. Uh-huh. We did a tiny desk with them, and there were over a million views. So, so it's really hard. You never know. You look at a band, and it's hard to tell where they wind up. Uh, but whoever thought that that a uh, all female mariachi band would win a Latin Grammy? So you just don't know what's going to rise and and take hold. Uh, we ended our set, the, the music of the evening ended with Grand Tapestry, but let's go out on something and somebody describe this uh, all-female mariachi band beyond. Well, what's great is that not, a, well, they're an all-female mariachi band based right here in New York with uh, members from uh, uh, all over the place, from Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, Colombia, Germany, Italy, Australia, kind of a uh, cross-cultural intersection. Of, but who doesn't love mariachi? Yeah. I ask you. Yeah. <laughs> Mariachi is for everyone. <laughs> it is. It is. And they stand all in a line, so you see them all. The, and and it, it and with the uniforms, you know, they're all different, but the uniforms. Right. Beautiful silvery embroidery going down. The big guitar on, is that what that one is? Yes. Uh, the yes. Gigantic yes. guitar held by yeah. uh, not the largest person in the group. <laughs> it just makes anyone look very small. I know, yeah. exactly. It's yeah. great to look at. Yeah. You know what they're named after? The legendary, Talawachi is a flower that's used as a love potion. Mm. So, all right. <laughs> they're having fun with it. And they have fun with it music do they do kind of the, the what would you say the uh, traditional mariachi type repertoires but also, also, also new, they do their own compositions yeah. and they put together these very close vocal harmonies that sound like world war ii era girl groups you know like <laughs> yeah, that's right. and in a really it's very sweet they threw in a, and they threw in a nirvana cover too <laughs> so, you and know, they teach the audience how to do those those whoops that oh, does, yeah. yes and that that creates a lot of excitement it's too. a great group and they've had some success they've had some big tours in europe uh, supporting other artists and kind of a little bit of a left field uh, hit and played uh, with dan auerbach is how i first heard of them yeah so. uh let's go out on a song called let down and uh not let down yeah <laughs> <laughs> in global fest 2018 Another thank you one. everybody yeah thanks, yeah, thanks so much cheers. yeah fun cheers thanks to npr music's anastasia Sulkis, afropop worldwide's banning air wfmu's rob weisberg I'm Bob Boylan for NPR Music, and thanks to Global Fest for putting on such an awesome, awesome show. If you've never been, it happens at the top of January every year in New York City. Go. And we'll put these songs up online if you want to hear them in their entirety. I'm Bob Boylan for NPR Music. It's all songs considered.
If you liked this podcast, discover the rest of the NPR portfolio at npr.org slash podcasts and learn more about eight of the country's top 20 podcasts according to PodTracks podcast metrics. That's npr.org slash podcasts.